BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Oh, baby! What is up, Buffalo Fanatics? Z-Bot here with you. Live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel on a Monday night. It can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. It is officially April. It is officially NFL Draft Month. What? We are 24 days removed from round one of the NFL Draft where the Buffalo Bills will be picking 27th. Who will the Buffalo Bills be taking? to help add to a roster that is currently in a window that is closing but still open to ultimately try get and get over the hump and get it done. Who will be the additional new young piece for the Bills to help them do so? Will it be on the offensive end, which many people think it will, which many people, including myself, hope it will? Will Bingo defense again would not be uncharacteristic of Brandon Bean to do so? Will the Bills go running back even after getting Damian Harris? Wouldn't be me, but according to some experts, it's still in the cards. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to take a look at what the quote-unquote experts say. Now, I always put that in quotes because I know I get a lot of people saying, no, they don't know what they're talking about. They're never right. Well, now I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you two things. One, they know way more than me. That's for sure. That's for sure. And I can tell you a couple things. A couple is two. Tell you three things. Two, it's the coolest job, whether you're right or wrong. I mean, imagine being Mel Kuyper. Your only job all year is to just whip up a mock draft. I mean, realistically, who the hell cares if you're right or wrong? By this time, most people can adequately predict within a couple of picks the the top 15 or whatever. So all you really have to do is kind of look like you were in the vicinity of what actually happens. And then you hang the cleats up again for another 365 until the next one. It's awesome. The dude just styles his hair all day and gets ready for the next draft. Great gig. But that's where we're at, folks. 24 days till round one of the NFL draft. And uh, it feels good. Because it's the ultimate signal that this season, even though it's, you know, it's just the beginning of spring here. uh, We just, what seems like finished the last season. It's always that indicator that, the season is going to be here at some point. Just, you know, hold on tight. The draft's in the books. That's always like the, uh, it's almost like the first lap around the the track towards getting to the next season, right? Season ends, kind of trotting along, and this is kind of like the first marker. And maybe you could say free, uh, the opening of free agency is, but it's kind of within the same vicinity. I would say, I would say probably opening a free agency, but this is definitely one of those big checkpoints towards getting to the season, so... 
We'll talk tonight about what these quote-unquote experts are saying, as well as an interesting article that I had just pop up right before the show started that I thought we'd take a dive into. It talks about potential trade scenarios. There's five of them that Chris Reuter of uh, or Chad Reuter, excuse me, of NFL Network put out, uh, one of which includes the Buffalo Bills trading up in round one. Have not seen much talk about that, and it has been a while since we've seen it. Would be interesting to see if that's what they do this year, or if they did it this year, rather, what would be the most interesting part is who would they do it for? Who would Brandon Bean find worthy of trading up in round one to try and go and secure? So we'll take a look at all of that tonight before the tip-off of UConn-San Diego State, the national championship game that everybody, of course, had picked just a few short weeks ago when you filled out your bracket. What a wild March Madness it was both men's and women's can't can't get into the show without giving uh, a statement on Caitlin Clark you know I I have a a sister who is an all-american lacrosse player my dad's still a lacrosse a women's lacrosse coach so you know I've been involved of course in female athletics but I don't think I've ever been drawn to the television to watch uh, uh, women women's sports like I was this past weekend to watch the Final Four in the National Championship uh, for uh, NCAA women's basketball. It was extraordinary. It was incredible. The LSU game against South Carolina uh, uh, on Friday night was awesome. LSU was lucky. They were not lucky, but they, they had a tough time even getting to the position they did yesterday to win the whole thing. They were down by almost 10 in the second half. Had to come all the way back and win that game just to get there. And then Iowa and Caitlin Clark, just an incredible performance. One of the greatest individual performances in the in the history of sports that we just witnessed from Caitlin Clark. On any level, in any league, absolutely overwhelmingly impressive and unbelievably fun to watch. 40 points, back-to-back nights, one in which was a triple-double. Nobody before in college basketball uh, in women's college basketball had ever had a 30 point triple double. She put up a 40 point triple double, followed that up with another 40 point game and then played extraordinary in the championship yesterday, despite getting into foul trouble an absolutely horrendous technical foul that really put the brakes on Iowa's comeback, but awesome. Awesome. Uh, latter half of the tournament in the, in, on the, in the women's sector, it was incredible. Uh, and then, of course, the Final Four. Now, we all thought UConn was going to roll. That's exactly what they did. That's why tonight I have a minus seven. I got to ride the hot hand. Now, of course, now that I have money on them, that's when UConn will find a way to choke. They've won by 15-plus, I think, every game this tournament. Tonight's the night they'll find a way because they got a couple of bucks on them. But uh, we all thought they'd roll. They did. The game, though, of course, was FAU, SDSU, uh, the buzzer beater, Thought we were going to go the whole tournament without an incredible buzzer beater. And, of course, it took all the way to the final four of the games that matter most to get that. That game was awesome. So, uh, great weekend of sports, uh, which is nice. I needed that. Last week, before we get into it tonight, just kind of a recap as to where I am here on a Monday. So, we finished up last week. I'm feeling good. Man, that was an awesome show last week, by the way. If you're just tuning in for the first time or, uh, you know, you haven't been able to catch last week's show, Go ahead and give that a listen if you have some time. It was me and Rev for almost four hours, and we talked about just about anything you could think of, and we were laughing our ass off as usual. It was an awesome show, and I had a ball. Shout out again to Rev for hopping on. That was a lot of fun. So, obviously, I mean, I was feeling great that night, right? I mean, doing almost four hours, didn't feel like it at all. Feeling good. How could you not? So, I wake up uh, the next day, two days later, I think it was. I'm not feeling the best, right? I'm not feeling like terrible, but I'm not, I'm just not, something's off, not feeling great. Now, my girlfriend, she's got off of work this week, and I had happened to have a lull in the schedule as well. Speaking of my girlfriend, oh, here, oh, by the way, check this out before we get into this quick story. So I go downstairs before the show. You want to tell them what you just made? You want to tell all the Buffalo fans what you just made? Take a look at this. Let me read that out loud if you didn't hear. Buffalo style chickenless wings. These are chicken wings made out of tofu. Gluten-free. 
and it's amazing we've been together for as long as we have. We've been together for almost, what is it, eight years, it 18 me. years. I eat chicken wings like I'm getting the chair tomorrow. And this is Caroline's dinner, God bless her tonight. Deep fried fake chicken wings. Now, I've never had them before because they're usually not gluten-free. These ones are gluten-free, which I have celiacs. You all know that by now, I'm sure. So Caroline thought it would be a great idea if I did a taste test of the meatless chicken wings on the snow, on the smoke break before we get into it tonight. So now you've had you tried these already? No, you haven't tried not. them yet. Now is this blue cheese? All right. So she at least she got half this down. Well, not half. But without any meat, it's a little bit more than half, I'd say you're missing here. All right, here we go. That is not good. It's not good. You get those at Barbell? You get those flown in from Barbell? That's some of the best. That's some of the best chicken wings I've ever had. No, in all seriousness, that tastes like you deep fried Play-Doh. That that is just. I mean, that ought to be illegal. I mean, you can get on people all you want for eating wings with ranch, but at least they're eating wings. I mean that that ought to that ought to be that ought that shouldn't even be allowed in the store. What even is that? What's the ingredients on that? I mean, this is, oh my, it just gets worse. It's like growing on me. It tastes like silver. Oh, I mean, where do they even get off calling, pretending to call that chicken? It's not even hot. There's not even any hot sauce on it, really. It's just fried clay. I mean, see, this is the problem with this. You think you're eating healthy, right? Like, oh, let's go vegan, and we'll eat the meatless chicken wings. You want to know what's in a chicken wing? Chicken. You want to know what's in the meatless chicken wings? About 9,000 ingredients, half of which I can't even, I can't even pronounce. Akasha gum. Paprika oligeron. <laughs> Sodium. No, I know that. I, I better know what that is, I think. And last but not, we, uh, not least, last but not least, Last but not least, methyl cellulose. I think that's what gave it that bite at the end, the methyl cellulose. Get that out of here and throw those out. And not just in the garbage. Go down and put them in the dumpster. God bless her. God bless her. Oh, my God. I'm not trying to, like, just put on a show. Either. That tasted like fried foot. I mean, that's just bad. Can you imagine, like, not eating chicken wings? I mean, I get it. Like, if you're a diabetic or you got, like, a health problem, all right, that sucks. I, I got I got celiacs. I can't eat a lot of really good stuff. Pizza. I mean, I can eat it, but you have to eat the gluten-free version. I can't just go to, like, um, I can't just go to, like, chefs in Buffalo or whatever and get a plate of pasta. I have to get the gluten-free. So it sucks, but I, you know, it's still, you can get variations of it. But to willingly choose to not eat that stuff will forever blow my mind. And instead... You substitute it with that. And I think you're doing it in pursuit of being healthy. There's no way that's healthy. First of all, it's still deep fried. Second of all, th there was like 60 ingredients on there. And, and there's like 75% of them are, aren't even like oh, you can't even read. It. It's like reading Braille. Just terrible. Now, this is probably going to lead into what happened to me last week, except I didn't try those yet. I ate something else. Or I think I ate something. I don't know what the hell happened. So. After the show, I'm feeling great. Next day comes by. And like I said, I woke up and I'm feeling like, I'm just feeling off. I'm not feeling like sick, sick, but I'm just, something's up. Girlfriends got off of work. I had a lull in the schedule as well. And it just so happens that uh, my girlfriend's sister and her brother-in-law and my little nieces and nephews, they all had off. Like everybody had off on a random Tuesday somehow. And uh, they're like, screw it. Let's go to Great Wolf Lodge. You ever been there as a kid? Are you ever taking the kids there? Uh, it's up in uh, the Poconos. Super cool. It's like a, I mean, when I say gigantic, I mean, this place is huge. And when we pulled up there, they're expanding it. Like, it is massive. It's like a compound, this place. It's, a it's like a bunch of log cabins you stay in. Like, they're hotels, but they look like log cabins. And then it's a massive indoor water park. So it was a killer price because next week's spring break, so nobody comes this week. Obviously, they're all off next week, usually, people. So it was like 90 bucks 
to go and get a room for the, when you get the ticket to the water park, the whole thing. And I'm like, water park, I'm all in with the little guys. It's going to be a blast. So it's like two hours from the house and we send it. And on the way there, I mean, I'm just, I'm gradually feeling a bit worse. I, I couldn't really put my finger on it. It just felt like I wasn't inside of my body. Felt like my mind and my like physical being were not intertwined. And it, and it also kind of came with some weird stomach problem that was just not feeling good. But we get there and I'm like, whatever, like I'll tough it out. It'll probably just pass. Go to the park and my little nephew, JP, he is a riot. I mean, this kid, I know everybody says this about their family when they're like, oh, he's so special. No, this kid is like my favorite. My, this kid, I love this kid. He He's nuts. I don't even know how to describe it. The kid's two, and he he is the he's going to be the greatest athlete I think that's ever walked this earth. The kid can hit a 40-mile-an-hour baseball at the batting cage with a metal bat. He's up to my kneecap, and he can barely even talk. He says, like, four words, one in which is ball, the other the other's helmet. Obsessed with sports. Obsessed with it. And it's great watching sports with him because like during the Bills, for instance, he, I've watched a few Bills games with him. When I freak out, he loves it. Like he loves it. He starts clapping, jumping up and down. He loves it. So he wants to go on all the big slides. He'll do it. He's like, let's go. Even though like, he get, doesn't really say anything. You just put him on there and he's like this. But he doesn't cry. and He doesn't like get all excited. He just, he just goes. Just go. You could throw this kid off a cliff. He'd find his way back in like 30 seconds. So we're just hammering these slides. We're going down them like crazy. And some of these are freaking like, you know, they're no joke. Big slides, super fast. And at this point, like, I, I just kind of forgotten about it. I think my mind was somewhere else. But it, it started to creep up on me a little bit more. I started to get really fatigued for some reason. I'm like, man, like, I should not be this tired. I didn't really do anything today. And I'm like, oh, it's just, ugh. So we get done with the slides. Go sit down. And it just hits me like brick. I just feel like I am somewhere else. So I tell Caroline, I said, I, I'm just going to go back to the room, you know, try to go to the bathroom, maybe lay down for a sec. What ensues over the next 48 hours would be the sickest I have ever been. No exaggeration. Sickest I have ever been in my entire life. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wished that would have happened to me. I still don't know what happened. Either it was a stomach bug or it was food poisoning, maybe a combination of both. Maybe somebody poisoned me. I have no idea. There were points in time in the middle of it where I just hoped I would just disappear. Just wouldn't, like, I don't know. Just it would, I would just evaporate. I have never, I'll spare you the details, but I'm sure you can get creative. And I'll use that creativity, but the setting is the Great Wolf Lodge. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be this sick here. So I had the genius idea of saying, hey, let's go. So we drive home. Now, imagine that creation that I'm sure you're probably picturing. Um, four separate times on a two hour car ride, twice in which we had to pull over on the highway. And I'm not talking like just a quick pit stop here. I'm talking like th this was. I mean, this was something out of a horror film. And then this, the other two were on the, the, the Palisades Bridge, which is now the Andrew Cuomo Bridge or whatever. Nobody calls it that. It's like the Ralphs. Like, who's going who's gonna to call it that? People have been calling it this for, like, forever. I'm talking violent. Violent and just. And you ever had that type of stomach sickness where all you can do to make it feel better is just go like this. Ugh. Ugh. Like, like you're just sitting there and like every 10 seconds. Uh, I mean, how my girlfriend didn't just put like a, a, a sharp object through my neck. I have no idea. She took care of me, brought me back to life. But not only was it the sickest I think I've ever been, but it was also 48 straight hours. I didn't look at my phone. I couldn't stare at a screen. Couldn't watch like anything. I slept the entire time and two days later woke up. It was like nothing happened. So I don't know what the hell, I mean, I just have absolutely no clue, no clue, but today's the best I've felt since.
So it's good to be on here with you because, I mean, good God, I wouldn't have wished that on my worst enemy. Now, the problem is, on top of being sick, I fell behind at work because I got a whole new, I'm sorry, like I've told you before, I'm a, a video produ a producer and do like a handful of different things when it comes to that. So I had to catch up. And today I'm like, oh my God, you know, time got the, time got the, uh, the best of me today. So this is, this is what I had to catch up on. I figured I'd show it to you because I, I, I'm not like, I'm a, I'm a video editor and filmer and stuff like that. I'm not much of an animator, but you want to see what took me almost the entire day to do. I had to, I had to like create and animate a bird to narrate this video. And I figured I'd share my bird with you. Here's my little birdie, my little red bird. And I had to, I had to make him up. Oh, he's not work. Oh, he doesn't want to work. Of course he doesn't want to work. Anyway, this took me all day. There we go. See, look, I made him, I can make him, I made him talk. I'm very impressed with myself. Now I know that looks like nothing. Like you'll watch like, like a cartoon. You ever, I don't think we appreciate how insane that stuff is. This took me like nine hours. And then I made him uh, fly as well. And I'm very, I'm very um, proud of it. You see that? That's all me, baby. So just when you think that that bot's uh, nothing but Bill's talking, whatever the hell else, jack of all trades, master of none, baby. All right. Little under an hour till tip, and I'm sure all you guys want to watch that game, as do I. UConn minus seven. Pull for me. Pull for me. Um, let's take a look at what these quote-unquote experts have to say about who they think the Buffalo Bills are going to be drafting at pick number 27. Now, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I know for me, I think what makes the most sense is offensive line. That's where my mind goes. I look at this team. I look at what I think has been probably the biggest need for this team. As far as I'm not talking about, you know, additional weapon. Obviously, it's needed, right? Obviously, it's needed. But you can survive without it. Now, is it ideal? Of course not. Of course not. But it seems as well as, you know, what, 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 what in addition, what isn't ideal is having a subpar offensive line that has clearly been affecting this offense as of late has clearly affected Josh Allen's game to, to some capacity, to a good amount of, uh, you know, to a decent capacity, I'd say, especially in certain games. Definitely affected this run game. Now, it's not to say you draft a, you draft a O lineman in round one and that gets solved. We all know this. It's as much of a, it's a, it's much, it's as much of a crapshoot as anything else, as it always is. No matter who you go with, it's going to be a roll of the dice. That's what the draft is. And that's why I've told you on here a million times. That's why I can't, I just, something about me, I can't get into it the way others do because there's something about me that just, I try to do it. And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The guy that everybody thinks is going to be the best player that's ever walked this earth might be out of the league in two years, Josh Rosen. And a guy who nobody even considers, a guy that's not even on the radar, could wind up being the next Tom Brady, who, by the way, was on nobody's radar. Now, that's the beauty of the draft. Now, the buildup to the draft and all the mock drafts and stuff is what's tough for me to get into because I just don't. It's, it's, it's just hard for me to find a guy from, like, northern Iowa and say, all right, this is going to be the guy that changed the league. But that's the beauty of what these GMs have to do, and I have an incredible amount of admiration and respect for it because it is not easy. And unfortunately, even though... It's, everyone's aware of the fact that it's as much of a roll of the dice as everybody else. Ultimately, the GM, Brandon Bean, and the 31 others in this league, they are the ones who, uh, they, at the end of the day, take the blame or the reward for how these draft picks wind up panning out. You look at what the Bills have been able to do during Brandon Bean's tenure here with you know, Sean McDermott, and it has been better than... I think anybody could have anticipated. And even if it wasn't up to, there's a lot of people who have different opinions on the way that, that, that beans drafted. And it's not been the greatest, of course, but you still had to ultimately get the one position correct. And I think anytime you look back at beans draft history, 
the one thing you got to tell yourself if you're not in love with everything he's done, because you're never going to be. The fact that they got out of that 2018 NFL draft with Josh Allen is, is honestly insane. When you think back on it. I remember sitting in that room. I had no desire for Josh Allen. I know a million other people like me felt the same exact way. Me and all my buddies were irate when we didn't get Josh Rosen. You want to talk about a roll of the dice. Maybe some of these other guys haven't panned out the way that we hoped. Perfect example recently might be Tremaine Edmonds, perhaps Ed Oliver if they move on. Tremaine Edmonds was a fine player. Maybe he wasn't worthy of that high of a pick. Clearly, I think the moving on from him maybe shows that. But the fact that the biggest roll of the dice, that essentially is like making the biggest bet of your life and cashing in on it. I mean, who really cares if you missed on, you know, a few smaller bets? If you hit on the biggest bet of your life, the biggest bet you've placed in 20 years, that is what you got to think about. So I always try to keep that in mind. But now that that has been done and this team's been put in place, you look towards the future. That's at least what I do now. I was talking about this last week with Rev. I think that there's chapters to every team, especially when you have a team that's going to be led by a quarterback for what you hope to be a very long time. You look back at Tom Brady's career, there's chapters, right? So many different types of teams for the New England Patriots won Super Bowls. You go back and look at it. It's almost unrecognizable at times looking at the different teams for New England over that time span that got it done. If we get out of Josh Allen and this regime, what we hope, there's going to be chapters throughout this story. And I think one of the initial ones is coming to a close because as we see, you know, we're moving on to now Josh Allen's second contract. We're moving out of the rookie contract stage. That to me is like one chapter. Now we move on to the next. And we talked about this last week. You know, Stephon Diggs is getting older. This defense is going to look different. Leslie Frazier no longer around. Sean McDermott calling the defensive plays. Second year now with Ken Dorsey. Another year without Brian Dable. Uh, there's so many different elements. And I look at what this draft could potentially mean. And I hope it, I, I look at it and I hope, can we get a guy in here that can immediately be, they don't have to be the best player out on the field. They don't have to be a guy at the end of the year. We're saying, you know, defensive player of the year, offensive or defensive rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, but a guy that can come in and be impactful and be able to be that. And then some over time for a long time, that's what you're hoping for. I don't think I go into this draft or any draft looking at, a, at uh, you know, the bill, who the Bills pick and immediately think that's a guy who's going to come out and immediately transition this team. It's tough to think that way when you're picking at 27. Now, of course, if you're picking in the top 10, every fan base feels that way. They should. That's what you, that's what a lot of these crap fan bases have to look forward to. Like we always did. Right. We always had to look forward to the draft because we couldn't look forward to the games. There's no fun in losing. The only thing fun is getting the next guy in hopes that that is the future. It gets tougher down the ladder. We all know that. I just hope this year, no matter who it is, and I'm not really, you know, I, I, all I do hope is that it's on the offensive side of things. I know that we're losing pieces on defense. I know the defense is going to look considerably different this year for a variety of different reasons, but it just feels like this is the time to go offense this year. Whether that's, whether that's receiver, many people, you know, they kind of scoff at a first-round wide receiver, but maybe that's where you trade up. Like, I'm gonna about to, about to get to uh, in, a, in a second here. Maybe you do go running back again. Who's to say? Maybe you do uh, what, what I'm kind of hoping, get the best offensive lineman possible, do what you got to do. I, I hope that throughout this duration here, Bean has found a guy that he thinks can add to this offensive line and significantly help it and really start to build up a different look for this Bills offense that isn't Josh Allen running like a chicken with his head cut off trying to save the day. And that's where I consistently go back to the offensive line. And that's where Bean always seems to go back to, too. He's said it several times where he doesn't want to go after the luxury-type picks, right, the weaponry, wide receiver, running back, you name it, without having those trenches secured. You cannot tell me the offensive line for the Bills is secured right now. But... We shall see. We're 24 days away. Now, I'm interested to see what some of these experts have said. I looked in the, you know, I've looked at a bunch of them over time here, but these are the most recent ones. I know the one we'll look at from Mel Kuyper here is as new as a couple of days ago. So 
These are all brand new. Of course, they're consistently changing. Uh, what was relevant a month ago, all of a sudden, can, seems to be completely irrelevant. Welcome to talking about the NFL draft. That's the way it always is. It's hilarious. It blows my mind. Anybody who places like a bet on who they think is going to get drafted, like number one, because you can bet on that type of stuff. Anybody who places that bet in like February, even early March, I think you're out of your mind. There is absolutely no, whatever anybody had, whoever had, is at the top of these, these mock drafts like a month ago, it, it's amazing how, how much it just changes. And it seemingly does out of nowhere. I remember with Zach Wilson, remember that one throw he had at, at his pro day where he was kind of like fading to the left and he was like falling back and he just flicked it and everybody was like, oh my God, did you see that throw? And yeah, it was a great throw, but there's absolutely no defense out there, right? It's just him and a receiver. There's no pads. Sure, it was a great throw, but I distinctly remember that that being a, a time where all of a sudden the narrative was shifting. Oh, Zach Wilson, like he could go number one, or at the very minimum, he's going to go to the to the Jets all the way up near the top. We all saw, you know, how that panned out. So the drafts, for all those reasons, it's very interesting. I'm actually really excited to see. Uh, you know, what kind of shakes up up at the top too, outside of the Bills, because there's a lot of teams that are quite needy this year. And we already saw the Carolina Panthers make a major move in trading with the Chicago Bears. So I'm excited to see what they do and then how that kind of affects the rest of the draft. How many quarterbacks go in the top 10? Uh, I know it's light at the receiver position this year. That's why I don't think the Bills do it in round one. But a lot to look forward to and a lot that we will wind up discovering shortly here. So as we uh, transition to looking at what these experts have to say, let's get to a couple super chats first. My main man, Silas Whittle, coming in. What up, Silas? He's saying Buffalo is taking a D tackle or a linebacker at 27. Silas saying that with a bit of certainty, it seems. Even if Bijan falls to 27, Buffalo will trade out of the pick. Ooh, so trade back is what Silas is considering here. Campbell is my choice. Plug and play middle linebacker. Man, I don't know. Middle linebacker to me. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just kind of the situation we're in right now. Though You could definitely make the argument. You can make an argument for a lot of different positional groups right now. I think it seems, um, I guess it kind of feels a little unsatisfying because you just lost Edmonds, right? Satisfying in the sense that you get to replace Edmonds, but unsatisfying in the fact that you had to let Edmonds go and you use the first round pick to have to replace him. I think that's why it's a pick that doesn't seem uh, very popular with fans, but it does make sense. Could very easily see it. It's not, I think last year as we got closer to the draft, corner became inevitable. It was so needed. It was so needed. This year, there doesn't really seem to be, I mean, obviously people have their leans towards positional groups that are more needy than others, but I'm not seeing much, like the confidence level towards what it is going to be seems a lot weaker than it was last year. I don't know if anybody else gets that same vibe, but it just doesn't really seem... Like anybody has a great read as to what's going to happen. That's what's got me the probably the most excited right now. I truly have no idea where Bean's going to go. Um, but I'm dying to find out because it'll immediately, you know how it goes. You have no idea. Once you hear it, you immediately get right into it. Right? You start looking into the guy. You start looking into how that affects the rest of the team and the scheme and whatever else. That's what I look forward to. But my, my biggest question mark I had beforehand, and this is not what I felt last year because I was pretty certain if, if the Bills didn't go running back in round one, and I was not anticipating that, um, I, was, I think we were pretty certain it was going to be on the defensive side of things last year. This year, I don't, I don't know which side of the ball it's going to be. I lean offense, but knowing Bean, there is no way that you can give a heavy lean towards that side knowing the history here. William on YouTube coming in saying, I love the mini rebuild we had this free uh, agency. I like the new vibes on O and D soon to come. Just need a dominant wide receiver two guy and address O line in the draft. I love the upside of this team right now. So you say you love the upside of this team right now. This is where I, this is where I get caught between talking about this window, this imaginary window that I always reference. Between talking about that and then talking about the this next chapter that I keep referencing too. 
because they're kind of two conflicting entities, right? The next chapter, I think, continues to roll on while this window at some point closes. Because eventually, there's just going to be too much different about this team to call it that that quote-unquote window that we've been referring to over the last couple of seasons. I think this season and next season, as far as the look, feel, and ultimately perhaps the the odds to get there, that, that's where it, what it seems to me right now. Now, we have no idea what will be different two years from now. Two years from now, the Bills could have had a killer draft this year and a killer draft next year, and who knows how different it looks. I mean, think about the Jets, for instance. It's a perfect example, and it's tough to compare the two, the Bills and the Jets, because just from a franchise standpoint, they're not comparable. But what I'm getting at is when you look at the Jets just a handful of years ago, utter laughingstock, just atrocious. And within one or two drafts, in particular last year's draft, you look at the Jets this year with the ability and awareness to move on from Zach Wilson, absolutely nail the hell out of that draft last year. You know it's a great draft when you have people like me who aren't like crazy obsessed with the draft, instantly thinking that the Jets, and I felt this way, from the beginning to end, I felt the Jets had the best draft out of any team last year. I felt that way all the way through. You know it's a crazy good draft when everybody thinks that, and then you deliver on it. You get the rookie of the year on offense and defense. You swap out the quarterback position, and all of a sudden the Jets go from a, a laughing stock a handful of years ago to a team, as I mentioned last week, that is one position behind the Bills in the Super Bowl favorite odds in Vegas. It's wild. So you have no idea what what any team will look like two years from now, much less the Bills. All I know is Josh Allen will be here, of course. And with that, they're always going to be in it. But are they going to be in it as much as they are now? Maybe they'll be in it less. Maybe they'll be in it more. We have no clue. But the window in which I think this Bills team has been in, I think it's next. I think it's this coming year, and I think it's next year. Primarily this coming year, though. I mean, this is just such a big year, as was last year, and that's why it was so deflating to have it end the way it did. But I think this year becomes a bit bigger knowing how last year ended and how you've, you look to see the Bills avenge that. I mean, that was terrible. The differences between coming into this season and coming into last season it is like it is literal night and day. Coming into last season, you come off what, what it's tough to say uh, – I mean, it sounds stupid to say one of the greatest losses. But truly, coming off of that Chiefs loss, I mean, you really came off one of the greatest losses a team has ever had. Josh Allen put together one of the greatest playoff performance in, uh, performances in recent memory. Gabe Davis, as a wide receiver, quite literally put up, I mean, literally put up an all-time playoff performance. I'm pretty sure it was record-breaking, the four touchdown. Um. And it was also considered to be one of the greatest games in playoff history. You lose that game and you come out of it with everybody thinking that you were better than you were going into it. It's very rare that that happens. And we know what that entailed. You tack on top of that, the fact that the Bills went out and got Von Miller and all of a sudden you blink and the Bills, they became the, they became the team that everybody was hunting, even though the Chiefs have been in that position. And remain in that position. Nothing's changed. But the Bills seem to have jumped them going into last year just because of how great they played them despite losing to them. The expectations were insane going into this year. And then we got that false, we got that false taste. In the beginning, you had people like me coming on, and I felt this way truly. After that Rams game and that Titans game, I was saying, were the expectations somehow too low? Which is absurd because they were ungodly high and as we saw throughout the course of the year in addition to all the roadblocks that had to unfortunately pop up for the bills along the way it was just not even close to the hype coming in now you come in this year and i prefer it this way i did enjoy last year going in the way things were because i've never gotten to enjoy that in my life i've never gotten to enjoy going into a season as the Super Bowl favorite, as the team everybody's talking about. So I got, I had my fun with that. But I did realize, you know, what, what I thought I was missing this whole time isn't all that great because it, it adds a whole lot of stress to you as a fan. Of course, it adds a lot of stress to the team. And I think it makes 
the disappointment even greater when it doesn't end in a Super Bowl trophy. I mean, that's what last year was because it felt that way. And that's what everybody was saying. This year, on the other hand, I see a lot of people down on the bills and I get it. There's part of me that's a bit down on these bills. And I know deep down, there's a part of you that's down on these bills just a little bit too. How could there not be? after what we saw on display against Cincinnati. It was absolutely pathetic. There's not, there's no chance. Maybe things have changed now. You've had some time. We all have. And I know things have changed for me. I'm much more optimistic today than I was on that day. But you can't tell me going into this season, you're as much or more optimistic going into the 2023 season as you were going into last year. But there's part of me that actually really likes that. There's part of me that really likes the fact that the Bills are not the team with a gigantic, or they, it's, you know, it's big. They're, they're still the Bills, still Josh Allen, right? They're still the team that are considered to be right below the Chiefs, but it does feel as though Cincy has stolen that thunder, does it not? Cincy whipping the Bills in the playoffs, back-to-back AFC championship appearance appearances, one in which results in a Super Bowl berth. Kind of feels like that tide's changing a little bit. And I think that's where Josh Allen and the Bills and ultimately us fans, I think that's what where we do our best. We do our best. Our, our fandom comes out the best when we're, when we're considered to be the underdogs. I know Josh Allen's competitive, uh, competitiveness comes out the most when they're considered to be underdogs, and I'm sure that goes through the entire team. I do like this feeling more. Maybe my optimism isn't as, as high. But there's something about that that I do like. Because I think that that's real. I think that that type of pressure, whether the team admits it or not, I think it, I think it finds its way into the building somehow. And I just think it makes things worse from the media standpoint, from the fan standpoint, internally, when you don't hit a target that is really, really, really hard to hit. Especially when everybody thinks that you're just going to do it. When you've never done it before. So this year is a lot different. But I do understand what William's saying here to kind of bring it full circle. You love the upside of this team right now. I get what you're saying. For me, when I look at the upside, I look at the upside of going into this season, what can be different compared to last year and how I think that ultimately benefits everybody. But they got to do it first. They got to do it first. And I got to learn from last year, you can't put too much stake in the beginning of the year uh, as opposed to, you know, the different portions of the year. Because there's so, I mean, we all know this, but it's so hard to not buy into it. The Rams had just come off of a Super Bowl. We thought we just beat a great team as badly as, as we did. They were terrible. The Titans had just come off being the, the number one seed in the AFC. They were not good last year. Bills rolled them both. Bills offense looked tremendous. Bills defense looked great. And I hear, you know, it sounds like maybe I'm talking like the Bills wound up, at, you know, winning nine games. No, it's not the case. They had a great season. But there was something about it that just didn't feel like it hit this wild expectation that we all had going into it. And I think the reason for that is because it was exactly that a wild expectation that was never obtainable in the first place. So as we, uh, as we get set to see what this, optimistic future looks like who's going to be that newest piece the newest freshest piece that's going to be able to be a part of this bills team and help potentially lead this new optimistic future going into 2023 so the one thing i thought was interesting and we'll start here we're going to take a uh, look at a few mock drafts over the next uh, 20-ish minutes here or so um the one thing that i thought was interesting that i had just saw pop up on my phone was a potential trade that I saw from NFL.com. Now, trades always interest me because they're out of they're out of the realm of expectation. You understand, I mean, you not understand. You uh you expect them and you anticipate them earlier on in the draft because that's when they happen. You have teams that are incredibly desperate, incredibly needy. You have teams that are way up there that need as much draft capital as you can get, and you know, things happen. That's where the that's where things get you know done in a blockbuster type fashion that break the headline. As you get later on, I think that when you're a fan of a team like the Bills or a team that picks in the 20s, you don't 
typically anticipate a trade as much as you would potentially if you were way up there. I know I haven't really given that much thought, and that's why I found this to be intriguing because it just popped up on my phone before I started the show, and I know I was going to talk about the draft tonight anyways, and I'm like, all right, well, let's take a look at it, and I wanted to save it because um, I wanted to read it out loud and take a look at it live with you guys without knowing exactly what it is. So here it is. By the way, this is via of uh, Chad Reuter over at NFL Network, and he gives five round one trades that would make sense, and one of which includes our Buffalo Bills. So here it is. It's the Bills trading with the Seattle Seahawks. And here's what Reuter gives uh, as far as compensation and what that results in. The Bills would receive the 20th overall pick in round one, meaning they would move up seven spots. They'd give the Seahawks their 27th. In addition to their third round pick at 91 overall and their 137th overall in round five from the Cardinals. So let's take a look here as to what he thinks is the reasoning behind this. Reuter says the Bills are hungry for a Super Bowl win after losing in the divisional round of the playoffs the past two seasons. And say that again. The Chiefs leaped ahead of them to draft cornerback Trent McDuffie at number 21 last year. And you can bet Buffalo GM Brandon Bean doesn't want something similar to happen again. Bean had to make his own move to get corner Kair Elam two picks later. Bean could go in several uh, directions at 20. See, and this is what I like because I know I'm like uh, kind of all over the places to where I think they might go. I've seen the majority of the fan base feel the same way. It's funny too. A lot of these experts or a lot of these guys who write blogs, do this for a living. No one really has a clue with the bills either. And Reuters kind of saying that right here too, where he's saying they could really go a variety of different ways here. He's thinking back to what Silas was pointing out just a handful of minutes ago with the Super Chat. Bean could go several directions at number 20, including linebacker Trenton Simpson, who could step in for free agent loss, Tremaine Edmonds, in the middle of the Bills' defense. They need to strengthen the, the, the defensive interior, so Kalijah can't see. I'm going to butcher this name, unfortunately. Adetomawa. I think I might have got that. Adetomawa. Adebora. Killer name, though. I like that. Call him like A, a squared or something like that if the Bills took him. Could be targets. Finding more pass catchers for Josh Allen wouldn't hurt either. See, back, back to that quick point, by the way. Defensive line, I think I'm out on. I'm out on that. I understand middle linebacker. You just lost Jermaine Edmonds, but I, I'm just, I, I, I just, I can't, I can't rationalize another move towards defensive line when it just seems like the offensive line has gotten completely neglected in the draft. The defensive line, Bean's been trying to get that to an A1 level for what seems like a while now while the offensive line has not gotten close to a similar treatment. I just feel like it's time. If you're going to go defense and, you know, you look at the middle linebacker position, okay, I get it. It's understandably needed. It just feel like if you, it feels like if you're going to go line, I just, my mind goes offense there. It just does. It just feels like it's time. If you're going to address the line, it just almost feels like it's an insult to the, to the offense at this point to not address it after having addressed the defensive line, which just seems like routinely and having it not pan out seemingly to exactly what you were hoping it would. Obviously it's gotten a hell of a lot better. I just don't see that. I just, I don't know. That, that's not where I, that's not where I'm at. Finding more pass catchers for Josh Allen wouldn't hurt either. Whether they look at receivers, uh, Jackson Smith, Najiba, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Jaleel, uh, Jaleen Hyatt, or a tight end, which Rev was speaking on last week. Rev was thinking, hey, why even bother going after another uh, wide receiver and a, a stud wide receiver too? Why not go after a second stud tight end, pair him with Knox, run a two tight end set, and elevate the offense that way, which I found very interesting. Like I said earlier in the show, we talked about that at least uh, last week. Uh, if, you, if you haven't checked the show out yet, uh, interesting take from Rev there that I had not thought of prior. And uh, it looks like Reuters kind of making that a possibility here too, saying the Bills could look at uh, Dalton Kinside, is it? Or Michael Meyer uh, to pair it with Dawson Knox. Now, Seattle, they could, I, I mean, if anybody is going to make a move in this draft or could make a move, it could be the Seattle Seahawks because obviously they're a team right now that is better than they thought they'd be at this current aspect of their rebuild. Um, they do have draft capital. They do have a lot of young talent right now that they're looking to build around. 
Um, at number 27, the Seahawks can still find an offensive lineman, cornerback, or edge rusher who meets their needs. So there it is. The Bills uh, trade with Seattle to get the 20th overall pick in round one. Seattle taking a 27 and 91 and 137 pick from the Bills to get that done. So there's one of the trades that some of these guys, or one of these guys uh, in Trad Reuter, draft analyst, thinks the Bills could do. I don't hate that. Look, and I've said this before. I've been on record uh, saying this probably every year before the draft. I don't care what he does, Bean. As long as he thinks in his mind that it is 100% the best decision, if Bean thinks there's a guy that he absolutely has to have, if there's a guy on the board that has 100 circles around him and there's a trade within sight that's feasible and you know doable, and a team willing to work it out. I mean, how could I not be gung-ho about that? Bean does not strike me as the guy, because he has not been the guy, to be erratic in using draft capital as, you know, fun, fun, fun tokens. That's not who he is. And I don't anticipate seeing that this coming season. That's just not the type of GM that he is. Some GMs are like that. It worked for the Rams. But there's also major consequences to that. I don't even think Bean's really in the middle of that. I, I, I think Bean's, he likes, I don't know, I just, I, I, I look at the way he operates and I just think it's calculated. There's, there never really seems to be a whole lot of unbridled emotion involved in it. And that's the way it should be. So that's why I always suspend my, you know, how I feel about it for a while until I kind of dive into what the pick is and then what the process was behind it from being in making it. Cause I have an incredible amount of faith and trust in Brandon Bean. I know some of that has been wavered over the last couple of seasons, especially the last two, right? I get that, but I don't allow that to shake my, uh, the way I view this organization and this front office. I, I, I don't allow it to rattle it up too much because I just, that's where I'm at with it. I have just an incredible amount of faith in them to do it. Cause I, I, like I said earlier, it's, it's so hard to nail it. And everybody wants these guys to just nail it every single time. The way I see it, if Bean has a guy that he thinks is worth trading up for, no matter where it is, if it's, if it's logical and he can do it and it's a guy that he thinks is the guy, the guy, I'm all for it. Because I'd much rather have Bean who, like I, like I, you know, said right from the beginning, this is the guy that knows all of it. These are the guys that know it all. So if he has a guy that he absolutely 100% can't go without in this draft, why would anybody want him to settle for the next guy when he doesn't have to? And it's not like moving up to 20 is some crazy, you know, unfathomable idea. You give up a third, yeah, would you, would you, would you prefer to have it? Of course. But like I said, I'm all for giving it up if it means moving up seven spots to get the guy Brandon Bean absolutely wants, as opposed to perhaps a second option that he isn't so fond of. Let's move on to the, uh, to the next mock draft that I have queued up here tonight, and this one comes from the OG, the original draft expert with the best hair in the game, Mel Kuyper. Now, his pick is incredibly interesting, and that's why I wanted to start off with his right after I talked about that quick trade scenario there. There it is, folks. You can see it right here at 27 on your screen. B. John Robinson. Running back out of Texas. Mel Kuyper is not backing down on the Bills going running back in round one despite the Damian Harris signing. To me, the second that signing happened, running back one, which I didn't necessarily think was a very realistic possibility. I mean, not to say it wasn't realistic. I just I didn't think it was a very high possibility. With, with that signing, I just don't see it. With the other needs that the Bills do currently have, I don't see it. 
talked to Rev about this a couple of weeks ago on the show here. He made some good points in talking about, hey, if it's the best player available, you go do it. Look, I get it. This is back to what I was literally just saying. If Bean thinks B. John Robinson in round one supersedes anybody else at any position in round one in terms of immediately elevating this team and then doing so for the foreseeable future, laissez-faire, man. Hands off. I'm all in. I'm all in. But in looking at what the team's current needs are, what Bean has said in the past, and what I think is going to happen, it doesn't seem like it's going to be in his wheelhouse to do this in round one. What is this? What is this? You made up for the chicken wings. You got me two milkshakes? Why did you get me two? You think, do you think I need two milkshakes? You seriously got me two milkshakes? Are you guys seeing this? Two! That's a keeper right there. I'll share with you. Should I? Should we do this right now here live on air? Should, which one should I try first? This is incredible. Imagine getting, watching the door open and she comes in with meatless chicken wings and you're like, oh, like how do you, how do you let her down? And she comes back with two milkshakes. All right, which, what's this one? All right, so this is from this this joint down the street from us. It's called Milk and Cookies. They take like a bunch of random stuff and blend it up into milkshakes. It's like some stupid TikTok thing, but they're phenomenal. Or at least they look phenomenal. I don't even think I've ever had one. This one's what? This one's called Reese's Puff. Reese's Puff cereal and Reese's Peace. I mean, there's an, it's impossible for that not to be good. That one sip just took nine years off my life. Okay. I like it. I got to tell you, though, don't love it. Little tasteless. Thoughts? It's thick, though. I will say, better than the meatless chicken wings. And then this is Fruity Pebbles. Now this is up my alley. Oh, that's a home run. I mean, imagine like a bowl of Fruity Pebbles, because it's literally Fruity Pebbles and milk, but like... A milkshake. That's fire. I don't want that right now, though, please. Oh, my God. Put it in the freezer for me. Love ya. What a saint. What a sweetheart. She knew she had to make up for making me eat that deep-fried foot she brought me in there earlier. Like, uh, Bill's Mafia coming in here saying that's liquid diabetes. Yeah. I mean, th- people, will they'll blend up anything and put it in a cup and sell it for, like, 15 bucks now for TikTok. It's the way it is. And there's some, there's this other joint down the street where they're, like, they'll, like, deep-fry like two quesadillas and make like a cheeseburger out of it. I mean, it's anything goes anymore, man. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get into this real quick. The Bijan Robinson, a little milkshake that I don't know where the hell that came from. I didn't even know she left the house. Uh, Bijan Robinson. Here it is. This is who Mel Kuyper thinks the bills are going with. Mel Kuyper says, I keep coming back to Robinson being the perfect fit for the bills offense. He could be a security blanket for Josh Allen in the past game. And he can rip off chunk plays as a ball carrier. He breaks a ton of tackles and has tremendous vision. He's the most complete back in this class. As I've written before, Robinson is a top 10 prospect on my board. High praise from Mel Kuyper. But his positional value means he's going to drop into the 20s. I know Buffalo has James Cook and just added Damian Harris on a one-year deal. But Robinson is on another level. Man. Mel Kuyper, he's got he's selling me. He's like a used car salesman with these guys sometimes. But hey, I mean, he is high on him, man. Wow. Top 10 prospect. And quote, on another level, this is a team that can afford to target a luxury position in round one. See, that's where I disagree with him. Now, I guess when you say afford, it's almost like, yeah. You know, it's like when you're out to eat, and it's like, can you afford the... Nah, I'm trying to make an analogy. I, I don't have a good one. Thought I had a good one, and I don't. They can afford it in the sense that they could get by with it, with Josh Allen. Right? You can do it, and I don't think anybody's going to bang on it for you because you have Josh Allen. If you, if you did this and you had, I don't know, 
Mac Jones, it wouldn't it wouldn't fly as well, right? But I just think that there are when he says they can't they can afford it, I don't look at them in a in a position where you just you can say that kind of carte blanche like that. Can they technically, I guess? Should they though? That's probably the analogy I was getting at earlier. Like sometimes you want to buy something, you're like, can I buy it? Yes. Should I buy it? That's the bigger question. Just because you have the money in the bank account to do it doesn't necessarily mean you should do it. But Mel Kuyper thinks it's the right move for the Bills. That would be interesting, and I'll tell you what. It would be an exciting night amongst Bills Mafia if that happened. Because even though I want to alignment as much as I think I've ever wanted one, perhaps, they're not sexy, and ultimately no one's going to go nuts about it like they would a running back. If a running back gets drafted, people are going to be super stoked about it, and then there's going to be a bunch of other people who are going to be super pissed about it, and it'll be a great sit-back-and-observe type night on Bill's Twitter. A couple more real quick before we close up shop tonight and go watch the NCAA Basketball National Championship, which kicks our tips off rather in a couple minutes here. This one is from Todd McShay, the other uh, I don't even know what you call him according to he's, he's basically like Bat, Batman and Robin of the draft on ESPN is Todd McShay is a uh, Mel Kuyper Todd McShay Keon White offensive linebacker Georgia Tech back to my man Silas Silas has linebacker Chad Reuter over at NFL Network on the first article we looked at he's got uh, linebacker Todd McShay he's got similar thoughts He says Buffalo's roster doesn't have many holes, so it might be best player available. And White is a steal at this point in round one. The 6'5", 285-pounder posted a a 7.5 sack mark in 2022, had a great senior bowl week, and then looked good at the combine. The Bills used a first-rounder on Greg Rousseau in 2021 and then signed Von Miller last year. Linebacker makes sense. It'd be the one one pick on defense where I I wouldn't be upset about it. Not to say I'd be upset about anything. I really wouldn't. But I think I'd, I'd scratch my head a bit on a D-line pick over something else on the offense. I would get the linebacker because it's clearly needed. And, you know, you're hoping you kind of hit on maybe what you missed out on with Tremaine Edmonds by taking another whack at it. This one's from Bleacher Report. It's their whole draft scout team. And I haven't looked at this one yet, so let's see who Bleach Report has going to the Bills. Wow, this is see, this is a back, this is back to an, uh, or this is another uh, perfect example of the really just the absolute unknown when it comes to the Bills in round one this year. We now have four different articles we've looked at. All four of them have something different. All four different positional groups. So that just goes to show you how surprised potentially we could be in a little over three weeks from uh, from tonight. This would be something. Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of USC. Man, you want to talk about a fun night on Twitter. Wide receiver would be a real fun night because I think everybody wants that. Maybe they don't want it in round one, but everybody wants another wide receiver for Josh Allen on this team. That is undebatable. The Buffalo Bills must reach the point where quarterback Josh Allen isn't asked to complete Herculean tasks week in and week out for the offense to operate properly. And that first sentence right there from this article essentially encapsulates what I'm talking about when I say offense in round one, when I say if you're going to go line, you got to go offensive line before you do a defensive line because that's, that's the perfect way to say it. You're just at the point now where you it's like, are you, are you, are you not going to do it at all? Are you just going to neglect it? Are you going to neglect this side of the ball? Unnecessarily. When on the other side of the ball, it's gotten what feels like plenty more wax at trying to figure things out in that, in, in the trenches and trying to solidify the core of it. The offense, it just feels like needs the gamble in round one this year. At this juncture, the goal should be to make everything easier on him so he doesn't take the same type of hits or needs to make rare throws on the regular. In order for that to happen, those around the quarterback must win their matchups consistently. Quote, outside of Stephon Diggs, 
The entire Bills receiving core struggled to get open during one-on-one situations last season from speed threat Gabe Davis to gadget player Isaiah McKenzie to the briefly briefly re-signed Cole Beasley, Klassen said. Another receiver besides Diggs who can win one-on-ones is a must this offseason, and USC's Jordan Addison fills the need. I was talking about this once again last week with Rev where I said, we were talking about the DeAndre Hopkins situation. And I said, look, at I, I don't care if it's DeAndre Hopkins, if it's Jerry Judy, if it's OBJ for the right price, or in the draft. I don't care. It doesn't need to be some big-name guy that's already established in the league. If we get a guy that Bean feels like is an immediate difference maker at that position, I am all for it. It does not need to be DeAndre Hopkins. It does not need to be anybody currently in the league. If they can get a guy in the draft that they feel can be a, a player for this team that can alleviate the stress, the stress of both Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, alleviate the amount put on their shoulders to carry this offense, I don't, I don't give a shit who it is. It could be one of you guys. You guys suit up, have a killer year. I'm all for it. I could care less. But that's the position that I would love to see be elevated. Round one, though, it doesn't seem to be a gigantic. I I don't even know the right word to say. It just seems like this year when when talking about round one wide receivers, a lot of people are kind of like, eh, it's not like it's, it's been recently here. Right? It's not like it's been recently where it just seems like it's wide receiver, wide receiver, and there's a million of them, and everybody's got a handful of them that they think are like locks for uh, being a hit in round one. This year's a little bit different, so we'll see. But the interesting aspect of these few that we looked at just now and what I think is going to be the most interesting aspect of what we see on draft night is the uncertainty. I think compared to last year, it's a lot different as far as where the bills could go. I don't even think we have figured out as far as fans and our projection, I don't even think we have close to figure out what side of the ball it's going to be. That's how much we're kind of in the dark right now, but that's what makes it the most fun. And that's what makes it uh, worthy of looking forward to. I look forward to seeing you again next week. Quick one tonight. I apologize. On the last week, we went for four hours. So I guess we kind of meet in the middle and then divvy it up. The last week, uh, last week was great. Tonight was great. And next week will be great too. I have some more, uh, Something fun next week. We'll figure it out. Who knows? What a slow week this past week. We got we got blessed though over the last month with a lot of fun stuff to talk about. So it's all right. Well, we'll take a slow period every now and then. We'll see what happens this current week going into next. But I'll talk to you then. Enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully it's good. UConn's been rolling. Let's see if they can continue to do it. Now, when I say good, I hope it's not too good. UConn minus seven. Guarantee it doesn't hit. Whatever story of my life. I'll see you next week. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. And as always, go Bills.